to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste, and the destination Taiwan's waterways. Taiwan is an island. You only have to look at the map to see that. But whereas many islands around the world have slipped through the years, just quietly getting on. Taiwan is one of those islands that have become maritime hubs. Here, over the centuries, indigenous boats, as well as Chinese, Japanese, and Western ships, have all found safe harbor, at least some of the time. And today, Taiwan is still home to big container ports and a base for ocean-going ships. One of the best places to learn about Taiwan's maritime past is the Evergreen Maritime Museum, affiliated with the Evergreen Group. The owner of a major Taiwanese shipping company. With me to discuss Taiwan's maritime history today is the museum's Zhang Xinzhi. To begin with, we explore why Taiwan's geographical position has given it such a lively seafaring history. Ms. Zhang says Taiwan is a well-watered and rich land. Unusual for its latitude along the Tropic of Cancer, where she says deserts and tropical forests are the norm. Early Portuguese sailors passing by are supposed to have given Taiwan its former name in the West, Formosa or Beautiful, because of just how pleasant it looked. Richness and inviting looks aside, though, Taiwan sits in the middle of important neighbors. Across the strait to the west is China. To the north is Japan. And beyond another strait to the south is the Philippines, with other parts of Southeast Asia within reach. In time, this position would attract the notice of seafaring outsiders. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we shouldn't overlook Taiwan's excellent indigenous boat building skills. These boats took a number of forms, depending on who built them and where. But like other ancient boats on display at the museum, they have one characteristic in common. That is, they are made with whatever materials were available. There were bamboo rafts and wooden boats, for instance. One well-known example, the banka or wooden outrigger canoe, was a sturdy boat built by the Katagalan people of Taiwan's northern coast. This boat gives its name to one of Taipei's old riverside quarters, where perhaps they could once be seen. Meanwhile, shifting away from Taiwan proper to the southeast, the Dawu people of Orchid Island still build tough seafaring boats used in harvesting a Dawu staple, flying fish. These boats look solid, but they're actually pieced together from 27 different wooden parts. Elaborate geometric patterns and figures are carved into the boat's sides, each shape with a meaning. The boats are painted in black, white, and red, and feathers are attached to the prows. Around the beginning of the 17th century, ships from Europe started approaching Taiwan. The Portuguese seemed to have got here first, but it was the Dutch and the Spanish who would rule on the island. In 1624, the Dutch East India Company set up shop in southern Taiwan. 
they'd found a good spot for a trading depot, with local products like deer skins and sugarcane good for export as well. Meanwhile, Spain would set up its own short-lived colony on Taiwan's north coast. In the museum, there are models of the galleon-like ships of the day. Though Dutch examples are missing, there are paintings of Dutch Taiwan that give you an idea of what they looked like. People from neighboring China and Japan had been familiar with Taiwan before the Europeans arrived. But with the expulsion of the Dutch in the 1660s, Taiwan really begins to see examples of Imperial China's shipbuilding tradition. At this stage, the Manchu Qing Dynasty was on the rise in China, pushing out a sort of warlord known to the Europeans by the name of Koxinga. Crossing with a fleet of ships, he took Dutch Taiwan and made it his own. The source of many great ships just happened to be directly across the Taiwan Strait, in Fujian province, where there were skilled craftsmen and good wood. Koxinga used Fujian-style ships, and so did the Qing Dynasty, which later sent its own fleet to end his private kingdom on Taiwan and take the island for itself. There's more to Chinese boat building than just junks, but the junks are especially relevant to Taiwan's past. They're also interesting because they show how Chinese ideas of how a boat should be built differed from those of the Europeans. She says that whereas Western ships were designed with great large bases to balance on the water like ducks, the junks were built to mimic fish with great strong ribs. Ms. Zhang says, though, that by the Qing Dynasty, a golden age in Chinese shipbuilding had passed. This was due to so-called maritime prohibitions, policies forcing coastal people to move inland and disrupting seafaring. She says good junks were often in the hands of the pirates that plagued the waters around Taiwan and flouted things like prohibitions. The Qing period was also one of civilian travel by water, both to Taiwan and within Taiwan. By Qing times, ethnic Chinese had been immigrating to Taiwan for some time. And under Qing rule, boatloads of Chinese immigrants continued to arrive on Taiwan shores. On Taiwan itself, where land transport was difficult and slow, travel by water was often the best option, whether up the coast or upriver. When it came to boats for river travel, people often still used whatever materials were on hand. Even imperial officials on tour would have to hop onto rafts or into floating buckets to cross these rivers. The museum's collection includes one of these buckets, which visitors can climb into. During the 19th century, the changes in shipbuilding brought by the Industrial Revolution in the West made themselves felt in Taiwan. Western and Japanese gunboats and steamers came to Taiwan through the 19th century, sometimes bringing trade and sometimes bringing conflict. At the end of the century, in 1895, Japan's modernized navy would play a role in bringing the island under Japanese colonial rule. Other models in the museum show the ships and ocean liners of this era, 
from early steamers to more recent passenger ships. Today, Taiwan continues to be a maritime center, though more in terms of shipping containers than passenger vessels. A display on Taiwan's place in the maritime world shows this by contrasting historic photographs of big ports with photos of the same ports today. The importance of these ports has gone up and down over the years. The old Dutch harbor at Tainan and Danshui, a northern harbor favored in the 19th century, are both now too silted up for big ships to use. But Keelong in the north and Kaohsiung in the south, both with their own long histories, are still busy ports for freight cargo today. The way the museum showcases Taiwanese shipping is one of its strengths. Inside the museum, you'll find replicas of the most important parts of a container ship, all of which you can walk into and explore. There's even a game that allows you to try your hand at steering one of these ships. You'll also see a digital globe, powered with live weather data, showing cloud cover, temperature, currents, and so forth. The positions of the Evergreen Group's 200-plus ships are also marked on the globe using satellite tracking, a reminder of Taiwan's shipping prowess in real time. From small rafts to ocean-going giants, Taiwan has seen a huge range of boats through its past. And its location at the point where different parts of Asia meet the sea ensures its harbors will remain well-trafficked ports of call. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. <laughs>